Welcome to Pillar and Ground Podcast. I'm Brian Salter, lead pastor at LMPC, and this episode is a Pillar and Ground questions episode where we seek to provide biblical perspective for today's pressing questions. And today we're going to discuss the question, how and when do I discuss sex and sexuality with my children? Today's discussion is going to be focused on some of those very early conversations that need to take place, but we also understand that this is about many, many conversations that have to take place throughout any child's development from youth to adulthood. This question comes about because of various questions that have been submitted to us from parents of children wanting to know how to handle different conversational topics. Uh, In addition to this episode, we'll be dealing with a part two of a a future episode. I have a part one with John Wingard on sexuality, and we'll be dealing with a situational episode of ethics. Uh, So we're trying to answer some of the questions that are coming in. We we do encourage you, if you have questions that you want Pillar and Ground to handle or discuss, you can email podcast at lmpc.org. And it will go on our list to try to figure out how to address. As we think about this question, how and when do I discuss sex and sexuality with my children? I must say at the outset that Mary Flo Ridley's work, along with Justin and Lindsay Holcomb's work, have been the two most influential on my life and parenting. I must say also, I haven't done this perfectly. Even preparing for this podcast, I realize some things I need to uh, go do and have conversations about. And yet, it's just something that is very important. And it's something that I find a lot of people just, they need simple, concrete guidance on. And so, Mary Flo Ridley has a book called Simple Truths. We're going to have the link in the show notes. It has been so helpful to me. Her basic premise is this. Shaping your child's sexual character is one of the greatest privileges of parenting. And I imagine a lot of us wouldn't say that. This is a place of fear. This is a place of uncertainty. I don't know how to lead in this. A lot of this has to do with nobody ever talked to us intentionally about it uh, from a biblical perspective, so we feel a little lost. Um, so I want to handle a few questions. First, why, why should we talk to our children about sex? And everything I must say, most of what I'm going to say here, I learned in Simple Truths as I read Ridley's work. But she, she talks first about an illustration of the street. Um, Our culture promotes the notion that sex, especially outside of marriage, teen sex is normal, harmless, and exciting. And the truth is, this is all a lot like playing in the street, things that kids can know. There are are severe life-altering risks associated with this even when those are not readily apparent. And so just as we would not just let our kids play in a busy street without direction, supervision, uh, and guidance, it's the same in this category. Second, why do we need to talk to our children about sex? We need to, we need to play offense. I find that most parenting is playing defense on these issues. It's likely that I hope you monitor what they watch on TV, who they play with, what they see on the computer or a device. And those are good preventative measures aimed at shielding them from the culture's confusing and distorted messages about sexuality. The problem is those things are merely defensive. They're only half the question. 
And I love to coach. Coach a lot of little league ball, coaching flag football right now. Any winning game plan requires offense and defense. And I find that most parents, when they're thinking about their children's development of sexual character, they do not have an offensive game plan. It is merely defensive. And the offensive question to, not the offensive, but the offensive question to consider is this sentence. Fill it in. What I want my children or grandchildren to think about sex as a result of growing up in our house or around me is blank. Fill in that blank. Do it biblically. Do it thoughtfully. What is it you want them to, to think about? In this current cultural moment, if we are not on the offense, that will not be accomplished. The third reason you need to talk about sex with your children is the gift of credibility. If you wait too late, they've already written you off as irrelevant, antiquated, and naive. So you got to start the conversations while you have credibility with them. I mean, there's a time when your kids believe my mom and dad know everything about everything. That's when you want to talk to them about this. There's a time when kids say my mom and dad don't know anything about anything. If you start the conversation there, you've lost the gift of credibility. The gift of credibility is when they are younger. That way, when you talk to them about it, they'll think you're really smart and you know about this. And the next time they have a question, guess where they'll go? They'll go to you because they think you've got answers. And developmentally, that's how children think about their parents when they're young. The second, when should you talk to your children? Kind of already addressing that, but... Before you can answer that with a concrete age, I think you have to ask yourself a second question. When you ask, when do you talk to your children about sex? The real question that I would ask all of us to ask is this, who do you want to tell them? Okay, answer that question. The question becomes a lot less about when do I talk to my child and far more about do I want to be the one to tell them about these important things? Our choices to wait until it's too late often means that somebody else will tell our children about sex and sexuality. And usually, it's somebody who probably doesn't share your family's values biblically and probably doesn't share your commitment to their best interest. So, ask yourself, who do you want to tell them? That will probably begin to answer when should you talk to your children. When should you talk to your children? You should also consider this. The youngest child in your home is older than you think. And that's because culturally speaking, all of your children in some ways are the age of your oldest child. I know that we have children ranging from uh, 17, 16, 13, and 8. My oldest at eight years old was not exposed nearly to the things my youngest at eight years old is exposed to, and that's just because of the nature of a house with diversity of age. Many parents think that sexuality is a topic reserved for teen years, and I would say that is false. Um, Your children are older than you think, particularly in this current moment of information, cultural messaging, And to wait until the teen years to have conversations, not a conversation, conversations about these things, as Mary Flo Ridley says, is like trying to teach a child who's never been in the water to swim after they've fallen headlong into the deep end of the pool. So 
When should you talk to your children? Well, sooner than you probably think. The stats just simply don't lie. Please listen carefully, parents of children. According to recent data, this comes from internetsafety101.org, which we'll include in the show notes, as well as Growing Wireless. Uh, A lot of good research data and articles there. But according to recent data, 90% of young men age 18 have been exposed to pornography, much of which is hardcore, meaning it often involves violence and overtly explicit imagery. Of those 90% of young men of age 18 that have been exposed, the average age these young men were sexualized by pornography was between 8 and 11 years old. 8 and 11 years old. Similarly, 60% of young women by the age of 18 have been exposed to pornography as well. New research from security technology companies suggests that children under the age of 10, children under the age of 10, now account for 22% of online porn consumption among the under under 18 age category. That's almost a quarter of pornographic use by minors is under the age of 10. 10 to 14-year-olds make up 36% of that group. And so that means, according to fightthenewdrug.org, which is another website worth visiting, that means 58% of minor pornographic use is under the age of 14. Who do you want to tell your children? Do you want pornographic imagery? It has become, sadly, internet pornography has become sex education for many children. The parents aren't talking but the screens are, and pornography is a poor and dangerous sex educator. So depending on which research data you use, the average age of first exposure to pornography is between 8 and 11 years old. When should you talk to your children about sex? Who do you want to tell them? They're older than you think, and it's probably sooner than you think. Third, how? How do I talk about sex with my children? Like I said earlier, first understand that it is many, many conversations and that those conversations should start earlier than you think. The first of those conversations is extremely simple. I want to address that conversation. This is sooner than you think, but it's pretty simple. All you need to get started, as Mary Flo Ridley says, are basic biblical values and biological facts. Here are some basic biblical values. Design, you were created by God and sex is a gift from God for marriage. Difference, God made boys and girls different. Design, God designed that it takes a mommy and a daddy to make a baby. At the youngest level, that is usually sufficient for them. If they have follow-up questions, they'll ask. Another basic biblical value is a concept of modesty and privacy. The understanding of private parts with right and proper terminology helps to talk about we keep those private. Those are not for all. And to give guidelines, as has been so helpfully done in Justin and Lindsay Holcomb's work, 
God made me in his image, helping children appreciate their bodies. Also, God Made All of Me by Justin and Lindsay Holcomb, a book to help children protect their bodies. Those are in the show notes as well. So you need biblical values. You also, you know, need the concepts of modesty and privacy when you're having conversations with children and even youth. And this is something that we've, I have done with my children, particularly my boys. Uh, sex is a gift from God for marriage. And I often will say this, it's not to be celebrated in public, even in marriage. It is always a private celebration in marriage. And so you see something on the screen the TV screen, a commercial that comes up or something in a show. A lot of times we simply change the channel and say nothing. And I want to tell you, your children's wheels are turning when you do that. But another thing to say is, and I've said this, I sure hope those two people were married. But even still, it's not for public consumption. Sex is a private celebration and is a gift for those who are married. And no one should ever watch it. That's a way to handle it with a biblical design. As far as biological facts, use proper names of body parts. That begins to lessen the, the stigma of this is inappropriate or uncomfortable to talk about. Do tell the factual story of conception, and we'll talk about that. Justin and Lindsay Holcomb have a new book called God Made Babies. I highly recommend it. I think it's probably four to nine-year-old range. And it just shows how reproduction is a natural part of all living things, and that's by God's design. And Mary Flo Ridley would say, and I did this with uh, my children, a great way to do this is to eat an apple together. Have an apple, eat it, note the seed inside of the apple, and note how God put the ability to reproduce in created things. It's inside of us. That's a great, simple design that can begin to connect to human biology. Um, In addition, though, when you're talking to children in these many conversations, please give them your wisdom. Please tell them that it about the appropriate times and the appropriate people to talk to about these things that they're now learning about with you. This is not something to go talk about with their friends. This is a conversation that you're intentionally having with them because you love them and you want them to hear from you. And so I want to give you the starting conversation. So that first conversation with your child, let's say seven years old, she's eight years old, six years old. One person, one of my children, I took to get a blizzard and started asking another one. We were driving to a ball game and I started with this question. Have you ever wondered how babies are made? They may say, no, I bet they'll say yes. Or have I ever shared with you about how God designed humans to reproduce? They'll say, no, that they'll, their curiosity is part of being a child. And just like I was talking about with the apple, this is a great sentence to remember inside of every living thing is part of what it takes to make another living thing. Just like it. God designed the world like that, including humans. That may be all you need to say initially. They may ask, what's inside of us that God gave us to produce another living thing like us, like a human? 
One way to answer that, as I did in those early conversations, is multiple things have to come together to create another living thing. And by God's design, a husband and a wife were made to fit together in a very special way so that that takes place. Again, start simple. Start broad. Respond to their curiosity and their readiness. They may say, what does that mean? Well, there's something deep inside of a daddy that meets with the part that's deep inside of a mommy. And that's what God uses to start a baby. That could be really an early conversation. You may, when they're eight, nine, begin to get more specific with actual biology and language. They may ask, what do you mean fits together in a special way? Or how do those two things inside of mommy and daddy meet together? Mary Flo Ridley says this is a great way uh, to communicate this. By God's design, the part that is deep inside the daddy is called the sperm. It travels through the male organ called the penis and meets with the egg that is deep inside the mommy. That's all you have to say. If they want clarification, you can continue. But that's how we were made to fit together and reproduce. There's nothing to be ashamed of with that. God made it. But we want to put it in its proper context. Some further help from Justin and Lindsay Holcomb in a recent article linked in the show notes concerning early conversations is this. Uh, Children ask where babies come from because they're curious. Their question actually is not about sex. They want to know where they came from before they were born. The question is a healthy and normal part of a child's development. Many children around the age of three or four start to notice pregnant women, which then sparks their curiosity and questions. Children can understand that reproduction is a natural part of life and that God made all living things to reproduce. And that's what that book, God Made Babies, does beautifully. It talks about reproduction in God's creation. They also advise there are a few things to consider when you ask the baby question. The younger the child, the less detail they need. Okay. Uh, the answer many young children can understand concerning the baby question is, a baby grows in a mother's belly and comes out when he or she is ready. That will satisfy the youngest curiosity for a while. The next step may be to say the mom and dad make a baby. God takes a little part from the mom and a little part of the dad makes a baby. The baby grows in the mom's womb. The baby comes out of the mom's vagina when he or she is ready. That probably will be sufficient. Eventually, they'll want to know how the baby gets in the mother's uterus, and it's important to answer clearly while being age-appropriate in your explanation of sexual intercourse. Uh, Justin and Lindsay Holcomb go on to say, of course, not all babies are made this way. If your child was made in a different way, such as IVF, You can choose to add in how they were made, or you can wait until they ask. They also advise that it's helpful for children to understand that some people have babies and some do not. Sometimes that's their choice, and sometimes they cannot make a baby. But regardless of how your child came into your family, a typical pregnancy, IVF, or an adoption, it's a very powerful thing for them to hear from you why you decided to become a parent and that you believe that the Bible says children are a gift from the Lord, Psalm 127.3. There is great comfort in a child knowing that God made them and has planned each day of their life. 
A few very helpful final thoughts from the Holcombs and their work. Those three books, again, I would mention to you, God Made Babies, Helping Parents Answer the Baby Questions, God Made All of Me, a book to help children protect their bodies, God Made Me in His Image, Helping Children Appreciate Their Bodies. They say this. This was really helpful. If they ask questions, determine the context. Since this is a conversation, you can ask them questions. The answer may provide context for their question. Did they hear something at school that's made them curious? Did they see a pregnant woman? Did they read something in a book? Did they see something on their phone? These are helpful things to know when you're talking. Secondly, ask what they think. Asking your child what they think can be a fruitful and also hilarious launching point for a more helpful discussion. Mom and Dad, how do babies come to be? Ask them. What do you think? You'll probably get a really good laugh, and you'll have a launching point for a relaxed conversation from that point of laughter. Uh, Keep your responses simple and short. Sometimes a few sentences are all that's needed, and I would say give them a little. If they want more, they'll ask and follow their lead in those conversations. Often the simplest explanation is sufficient. God made things to have something inside of them to reproduce things like them. It's a very good, simple illustration, whether looking at a flower or an animal or an apple or a human. Uh, Also, don't ignore their questions. Redirecting or ignoring their questions about sex and sexuality will only make their curiosity increase, not go away, and it will only communicate to them that they actually should not come to you with their questions, and they'll likely go somewhere else. And just don't make it weird. This shouldn't be awkward. From them asking about reproduction should be no different from them asking any other question about life. How do I pump up a bicycle tire? Why is this the way it is in math? Why is English so hard when it comes to making things plural? This should be just like any other conversation. Try to be straightforward. How you communicate and respond is just as important as what you say. Um, So I hope these things have been helpful. I remember being a parent of those young children and not knowing how to think about this as a parent. And I found Mary Flo Ridley's book, Simple Truth, and it gave me a really clear pathway for that initial and many more conversations. I hope this is helpful. Please read the show notes. Lots of helpful websites and, and book recommendations in there. And thank you for joining us on another episode of Pillar and Ground.